to play in the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Turn handle in left side. Finds a little bit of a hole, keeps his leg moving. He's across the 40, midfield, 45, he's on the run winch. 40, pushes the man, 35, look at him go. He's down to 20, 15, he could go. He is going to go. Touchdown, Seahawks. Oh, my word. A 67-yard run. Marshawn Lynch, unbelievable. The beast is alive and well. Wide receivers to either side. Russell takes the snap. He drops back. He's going to throw down the middle. He's got a man. Come on. It has been decided, maybe since the safety in the first quarter. 12, they're bringing the trophy home. Your Seahawks, Super Bowl 48 champion. Ladies and gentlemen, Seahawks and football fans everywhere, a very warm welcome back to the We Talk Seahawks podcast. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're doing better than I am because I'm not doing well this week, lads. I'll put my cards on the table already. I am. My head's gone. It's one week. We wait one year for football. We, we, we. Come on, devotions. Oh, yeah, you know, NFC Championship contenders, 13-win seasons. Um, week one, we lose to the Rams, and we're signing 41-year-old retired offensive tackles. Um, it's uh, football's back, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I wish it wasn't at this point. Um, we have come crashing back down to earth, land flat smack on my ass, and it hurts like fuck. Um, my head hurts like fuck. I... Um, uh, I'm absolutely distraught to be honest. So it's a good job we do a podcast so I can let it all out to you lads and whoever chooses to listen to this undoubted runtime length, whatever it is, of just pure non-stop aggression, angry takes. It, it's uh, we need to get it all out this week and hopefully this is the uh, not not the norm this season. Let's put it that way. But um, yeah, not not the start we all envisioned or wanted. But to talk about it with me to to therapize is with me as always um positive himself how are you doing mate i'm good mate i'm good uh the start of this podcast summed up sunday night yeah press record james is on mute talking to himself yeah. <laughs> me and mitch laughing that's great perfect start you're still good though but not to worry everyone before we start ranting and losing our minds and i don't even think it's an overreaction because that game was so shambolic any reaction, no matter how scale it is, is warranted with that absolute piss. I was just sat on my sofa, like confused. Like my wife had come downstairs, hit me around the head with a two by four, and I was just just stood there, like, what's going on? Like some Looney Tunes animation or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how are you, mate? Traumatized. No, no, not that bad. I, I, I'm fine. I'm in it. I'm the the overriding thing now is just disappointment. Um, I'm not angry. Just, just a little bit. Dis- we we all anticipated a win for the Seahawks, and we all 
anticipated a healthy win to the Seahawks. So to have lost in the manner that we did, by the margin we did, um, it took a little while to understand it. I'm game day and post game day. I'm usually quite vocal in our Discord, but I've I'd spent quite a long time trying to fully comprehend who to blame, where did it, where did it all go wrong, and I now feel ready to. <laughs> To, just to chew the fat with you guys and then put it behind me and never talk about it again, to be honest. I can imagine in Mitch's house, there's a big work got scrapped off for two days and there's a big whiteboard and he's just there like, <laughs> what went wrong? Spider diagram, spider diagram. And he's just like a mad scientist in his I've house. I pressed it all down into some notes on my phone. So uh, when when it is my turn to talk about my take on it, um, I'll go into all of the bits that that went wrong and my hypothesis on why this is this has happened. As you can see, my arm my arms are folded. I have zero notes. <laughs> this is going to be off nonsensical. Just just off the top. Just ranting. Just yeah, ranting. Good. Good. That's what we love about you, son. Contrasting um, styles. Contrasting styles. Yes, absolutely. Um, let's get into it um, because I don't want to spend any longer talking about this game than we need to. And I'm sure you don't want to spend any time longer than you need to be listening to it. Um, so let's start with the offense, as we always do on our game reviews. Um, let's start with the main man, Gino. Um, up until halftime. Like you say, really, the, uh, and I'll bring these guys in already because it, it hinges on it for me. It's the two offensive tackles going down. And before that, I think Gino looks OK, not as not as amazing as last season, uh, but he looked OK. I think things were sort of just ticking over OK. It wasn't explosive, wasn't, you know, I wasn't blown away by it, but it was OK. We were winning at halftime. Um, Kenny Walker was looking excellent. And then the two offensive tackles go down and... I mean, it's the second half from from absolute hell. Um, a little stat here, courtesy of Rich Hiribar on on Twitter. Uh, the Seahawks ran 14 offensive players in the second half yesterday, the fewest in a week one game since 2008. And that's the fewest in any game period since 2019. They gained 12 yards on those players, right? The fewest in second half of any game since 2008 when the Bears had two yards in the second half of week 12 versus Minnesota and by the way nine of those yards came on the final play with a token run to clock the game I was just about to say let's correct that yeah it was three yards and on Twitter people <laughs> try and correct me and go oh it's actually 12 mate it's like no it wasn't no no it wasn't it wasn't no, it was pathetic it was yeah. uh, oh one thing we know for certain oh, it was awful. now with Gino, one thing we know for certain now is if he doesn't have an offensive line, he is fucked with a capital F. He can't do... he he His play style cannot exist if he does not have a competent O-line in front of him. We saw it last year in bits, and oh my God, did we see it in spades on Sunday night. That is concerning, very, very concerning. It was uh, it was really concerning. It was just it, it, like I say, it all fell apart in the most glorious of manners in the second half. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Um, the 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 offensive line was it, it was just it was non-existent, completely non-existent. And so I'll give him some credit in that respect because they couldn't do a hell of a lot behind that offensive line anyway. Um, but as we've always said about Gino, when he gets under pressure, he doesn't look like the same quarterback as he can when he drops back into a clean pocket. 
granted, that's most quarterbacks, but some quarterbacks, you know, the elite ones like your Mahomes, as Josh Allen at times, um, can can sort of still work around that. You know, you you just have to give him a clean pocket, or or, or like you say, he becomes a, a totally different quarterback. Um, and I just the play calls as well. I I didn't. I didn't get what what I didn't get for me is the hurry up offense in the second half. You could see our heads on the offense, uh, the, the the offensive line and the receivers. Nobody really knew what was what they were doing. Nobody like the, their heads were all scrambled quite clearly, and yet we're trying to sort of speed up the process of of making plays and make decisions. What just just take your time. Just say what well, I, I didn't understand the the, the 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 need to go to a hurry up offense when it it's. We needed as much time to gather our thoughts as possible, and we tried to to run a, a an up tempo off. I, I didn't understand that either, um, but it was just a disaster from player calling to injuries, Lockett going out, obviously a big miss early in the game. Um, DK, other than his touchdown, was fairly non-existent and dropping balls on slants as he always does. Um, that's the one thing I. I really hate about DK and he's always had it in his game um but we'll, we'll give a bit of love to Ken Walker though because I thought on, in, in terms of the offense he stood out in amongst everyone on that team he was trying to put that team on his back for as much as he could and I thought he was brilliant it, even though his stat line isn't unbelievable it, it if was, you watch it was the a good, game it was a good first half stat line brilliant yeah six carries because, like six carries 64 yards or something wasn't it because Yet again, like last year, a stat that people used against him was forever in a day, he had defenders all around the backfield and he was running around like a headless chicken trying to regain yards and just get to the line of scrimmage multiple times. I really hope at the back end of the game where Dallas came in, it was just a case of, right, this is this is in the toilet. Let's just not, aggra- right, let's not put, Make put, it put him out. Yeah, let's just protect him with the groin. Let's just leave him. Hopefully, he's not picked anything up with that groin. It was a case of them going, well, this game is done. Let's just take Ken out, protect him. The thing, um, you kind of summarise the whole offence there from Gino. So, instead of me going way, way off with my own thoughts, Mitch, what are your thoughts on the whole Gino offence? Whatever you want to do. I... I want to talk a little bit about how different our offense was in, in the first half to the second half, because forget if you, I know it's difficult to do, but if you put out the, if you put the second half out of your mind, right, it hasn't happened. We're going in at half time. Every time we've had the ball, we scored points. First drive, three points, second drive, seven points, third drive, three points. Then we get the interception and we go up the field. We go for the field goal, doink the post. Hitting that post might as well have been a bad luck gong for us. Someone hit the gong. From that point onwards, you don't score any more points, right? Because because every time we touched the ball first half, apart from the post, we scored points. It looked a little rusty. There were a couple of drop catches here and there. But by and large, the running game was established and regular and on, on, on schedule. Gino was doing his usual thing, connecting passes, staying on schedule, attempting the odd deep ball. Fine. That's Gino. That's what we know. That's what we come to, to know. And we put up how many points by halftime? 14. It's four. Or it's all of our points of the game. 13. 13. Yeah. We were ahead. We were ahead by a score. 
and 13 points on the board. Scored very close to scoring on every time we touched the ball. I came back second half thinking, right, let's go. Rust is off. Gino's had his warm up. Um, let's go. I was thinking like we're going to this 13 in the first half is going to be more like 20 in the second half. I didn't see anything in that first half, which made me think we're going to get beat here. The the stuff on defense will come to because that kind of knits in with it, it meshes in with this a little bit. But first half was fine. Second half, without the tackles, we had a huge problem because the way we were de- we were dealing with the, the 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 Rams pass rush, and I think they only really had one major pressure in the first half, which was Maxwell uncovered. Because if you remember, Gino walked up to the line and audible Ringo, Ringo, Ringo which means max, max protection right. So the offensive line shuffled over to the right, came straight off that edge on the left or their right because they shifted the line over. That was the only time they got pressure in the first half with our with our offensive line. Hmm. Shift to the second. And the reason for it, the re, sorry, the, the, the casing point with the offense was when you watched Aaron Donald, he was double teamed every play. You saw centre and guard double teaming him. You saw guard and tackle double teaming him every play. When when the tackle and the guard that were double teaming was cross or Abraham Lucas, who's Aaron Donald? He wasn't involved in anything. We had him under control. Yes, other people were getting in because of that double team, but it wasn't Aaron Donald. Hence, Gino Gino Smith had. A little bit more time. He didn't have to. Didn't have to rush. He was making sh- short, sharp um, completions, and the run game was established. And we were able to march the ball at least into field goal range every time. As soon as we didn't have the tackles involved in those double teams, went to pot. Kerhan and Stone Forsyth are not starting tackles in the NFL. And when you're playing against an X-factor defensive lineman like Aaron Donald, you don't really want them involved in double teams either. And that's not being mean to them. But that is a that is a generational defensive lineman that would give any tackle in the league a, a really difficult shift. And in the second half, we 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 achieved two first downs, right? Or three? No, three three first downs because of the one that we got at the end of the game with um, Charbonnet, which you could just call garbage time. So yeah, it, 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 it was it was really difficult, and it's hard it's hard as well to establish a run game um, when you've got a porous um, offensive line that that people are charging through because you've established you don't establish any lanes. Everyone could come up because you, you, your quarterback doesn't have the time for for the for the roots to develop to be a deep threat. So everyone comes up, the running game suffers. You know, it just all compounds and it all comes off those tackles. Those tackles get leaving the game. So that's that's my take. I think Gino wasn't at his best uh, in the second half. I don't think he was at his best in the first half, but at least in the first half, we had a rusty Gino Smith with time to complete the easy stuff and hand the ball off. Second half, he barely had time to hand the ball off before he had Aaron Donald, you know, in his lap, basically. And we've all heard that sign, that sound bite of him saying, "Oh my God," yeah. <laughs> which which is incredibly embarrassing. Summed, summed, summed that offense. Oh my God. So yeah, that's that's my that's my take on why the second half looked nothing like the first. And I think a lot of people have said, "Oh, it's just the tackles and a bit not being there." I agree, but the main reason that the tackles not being there was a problem was the fact that they were always involved in the play because they were involved in double teams all the way through the first half. It's a good effect in the first half. Um, 
My thoughts on the offense was Geno's a douche for missing Jake Bobo wide open down the middle. That, that's a big one. Yeah. That poor soul did 11 to 1 to score a touchdown. Did I have that bet on? <laughs> so you're biased on that one then? He was biased open, because he was wide open, but Gino was laser focused mm-hmm. to the outside. I was just like, you idiot, man. He, so for me, Jackson Smith and Jigbib shouldn't have been out there. I don't think he's 100%. I think he was just made to be out there as a distraction with the way they played him because you don't play a talent like that. He's 100% like they did. He could have been, regardless of the tackles gone, in my opinion, he would have given Gino the quick work over the middle that would have alleviated some of that pressure, the quick dump-off stuff um, there. Um, so I don't think he's 100%. I think he was just put out there to try and be a distraction. Um, DK Metcalf, I love a bully boy on my team. Love it. Got all time of day for it. But when he does shit like he did, when he got away with an unsportsmanlike, to then keep going, do, do a play straight after, and then chirp off again when McVeigh is baiting him because McVeigh's on the sideline, like, ah, I got you, motherfucker. Ha 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 ha. He was baiting him and he took the bait like a little baby and didn't look like he cared. That's a question, question for you. Have we had a game, a game against the Rams in the last two years where, where they haven't got under DK skin? No. Because Jalen Ramsey did it every time. You could bet money on it every time. No, it's but I, I think even he's doing it now that thing he's gone. I don't think it, it was even Jalen Ramsey, even though he's that type of guy. I think it all comes from Sean McVay. Yeah, well, I start to think that now as well. It'd be, it, it would definitely be in their in their pre-match conversations to to any opportunity, try and get some afters after the play for DK because he'll give you a, you'll get at least one yellow flag a game out of DK if you wind him up. I think even when Ramsey was there, I think that was one of Ramsey's assignments. That's really good at it. You're going to be on DK, do what you do best, chirp him, wind him up, get under his skin. He'll, he will get the flags because he's a lot bigger and a lot more physical because of the way he is. That shit like boiled my piss. And the reaction on Twitter, do you know what? I don't blame people for saying it. People can say it's dumb and whatnot, but it's like, you because he's not learning to, to mature, is it stupid not just to say, whilst he's still young and a premium talent, just see what you can get for him. There's a multi-million premium talents out there. If he keeps doing that, he cost us at a very, very vital stage and he didn't look like he cared. He literally didn't look like he cared. And in his presser, he was like, I just can't wait to get back out there tomorrow. And do what, man? Do Do what? Do you know the problem I had with the DK thing as well? That it, It goes further than just the DK picking a very bad time to be giving away um, penalties. Who's the leader on these on the offense? Who's the, who was the actual offensive captain? It's Gino, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Why is Gino not there? Gino. Why is Gino not there grabbing hold of him? Like, if you have an offensive captain, they have to have the bollocks to grab someone when they're playing up and say, okay, like you might get fined, but we're going to lose a penalty and we are already up against it. Sort your shit out. Get to the sideline. You know, it, it it doesn't need to. It doesn't need the coach to drag him off. There's a captain on the offense as well. And DK's gone on about being a leader this year, and learning from mistakes in the past. Well, newsflash for you: 
mistakes in the past but the one of some of the biggest ones are exactly what he just did and showed zero leadership qualities there um the thing is Gino did it last year when DK got hot Gino was there helping him it just showed how off Gino was today and I boil that down to I feel like coaching one person in particular um needs to be left completely separate because I will derail this whole podcast if his name gets mentioned anytime soon. It's coming up on defense because I need to bring him up. Um but my thing is with it, my brother said it, Lucas said it, and he's always like he's got this point that the teams who don't play their starters and nothing pre-season always struggle in the first couple of weeks. And we saw that today. And when we get on to defence, defence was in a big, big way. But Gino just didn't look at it. Like, DK's kicked... The prime example, DK's kicked off before in the past. And Gino's the first one there, like, you know, calming him down. Tyler was in his own head this game because of because of um, that injury. Like, he went into the blue tent, sat down, loads of people came up to him, and he just ignored everyone. Mm. He was well in his own head. So, because he's normally over by DK, like, you know, trying to calm him down and get him to not be an idiot. But that's for that. Like, there's not much more to the offence. I just want to say Ken Walker is a legitimate. He's just, he's just, oh. I, what, is, yeah, on our worst day, Ken Walker still found a way to shine. Because he's just that good. That yeah, hit he did on that defender, he literally has listened all preseason to go, Charbonnet, he went through people. He does this, he does that. And he just annihilated that guy like, just don't forget about me. That's not a dig at Charbonnet, James, before you start. Um, I just, I loved it because no matter how bad this team was going, Ken is just Ken. Like, he's an unstoppable force. And one thing I'd like to add into that, this game isn't a good sample. Like, I don't want to overreact. But what I saw from Charbonnet... I know you've got Aaron Donald right there and it's always a hard first game, but I don't know whether this is on the coaching or on him himself, whether he should have been used more to try and help out, but what he did, except for that nine yards when there was no seconds on the clock, um, he didn't do much. Now, I'm I'm, I'm not digging him out there at all. It concerns me just because of my personal opinion of how long it's going to take him to get going but I'm going to I'm not going to like dig him out because he hardly got on the field yeah. it was a shit show all around I, I think the hardly on the field thing is the key one there because if you're chasing the game and you need a touchdown out of nowhere Ken Walker's the guy you're lining up in the backfield the guy that can snap off a 60 yard touchdown is the one you want on the field because we needed multiple scores and quick. Charbonnet's not the guy for that. That's that's Ken Walker territory. So while you're chasing the game, it's Ken. It, it's going to be Ken on the field, and we didn't really have that many snaps in the second half anyway because we we only had three three first downs. So like you say, it, Ken if, Walker started the game and did well. Sorry, Karen, if, if there if there aren't gaps to run through. He isn't going to run through them. That's I, 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 he can't. He can't. He's not Moses, at the part of the fucking Red Sea. He can't do that. He can't do that on the offense. He can't. So he, if there's no holes and gaps to run through, he's not going to run through them. So I, I don't take anything from that Zach Charbonnet performance other than 
the guards and the interior offensive line didn't create anything for him to run. So that that's and and like you say, well, he's not the same back as Ken, where he can bounce it to the outside if it collapses inside. But he it's can. Not that. But he can not, do that in his highlights in college. Not, he showed it in preseason. He showed not, it. He can do it. Do you know? They schemed I'm him not open trying, though in a lot of ways. I'm not going to dig him out when I say this. And all I'm saying is, it's not because I hate him. It's not any of that. Because I think he, like I've said so many times, he'll be a good compliment. My thing is, how long is it going to get him to take him to get going? Because he's shown the capability to be able to not have a gap like Ken does and then bounce to the outside. He has that capability. But what all I'm saying is, like, it's kind of his rookiness. He just wants to, you know, stick to the run fit. Whereas Ken last year kind of went off script a lot. Whether whether that was true that he was just trying to make a play happen or he completely fucked the run lane up and he had to do that, I don't know. But all I'm saying is, Charbonnet, in the highlights I've seen, he can do that bouncing out if the, the lane's not there. And it's just like he just headlessly went straight because that's what he was told to do type thing. Like, I want to... Like, like I said, it's, ma- it's probably massively overcritical. This game is not a good sample size. But maybe a bit of initiative to not just like run headless into a wall. You know what I mean? You have to remember as well that when when you scheme up a game a game as an offensive coordinator, you're playing you're playing three D chess. It's it's like sorry, yeah, you play yeah you're playing three D chess because you might be scheming up a run where you've got the guard in the centre creating a a B gap, um, sorry an A gap, um. So that you can get a run for three, four yards up the middle, because you want the you want your opponent's defense just to react and go a certain way. Because on the next set of downs, you're gonna you're gonna scheme up a a play that wants to manipulate them in a certain way. If so, you 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 put Charbonnet on the field and they think, okay, last time he came through the A gap, and then they'll, they'll move personnel and call a scheme. And then it will leave someone else open for something else. So you have to play chess in 3D. So he was probably told, "You've got three snaps. We're going to you're going to be running the A gap." Um, you know that's so. If he was if the ball was snapped to him, and then he suddenly did something off off schedule and just something something weird, he might have got a first down out of it. But the offensive coordinator would would be like, "What are you, what are you doing? Like the play we've we've drawn up for you is this because next next." next time you're on the field we were going to do a slant and we wanted that guy to be anticipating you going up the gut again so it's not it's not quite as straightforward as do you know what i mean he'd, he'd prove himself to be a maverick if he was told what he was doing and he just did something different because he thought it was a better idea so you can't do that but before before we go on to defense because i know we're itching to get this all over with i want to say one final thing pez mentioned um smith and jigba and not being fit to be out there i thought the same thing and the thing that annoyed me was if you have a a premium quality slot receiver, the huge advantage of that is your opponent has to has to uh, create a defensive fit that stops him. But you only have to you only have to to put out a defense to stop a slot corner if you're throwing to him. If you put him out there and don't throw in the ball, why is he there? Like you, you, you put him out there. You throw him the ball. They are just shape. You throw to someone else. It, 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 we didn't, we didn't establish the slot receiver in any of 
in any of our early stuff. I would if, if before the game, if you said if you said to me who's getting the most first half receptions, I'd say they're going to feed in Jigba. They're going to have to the, the, the defense is going to have to react to it. And our second half scheme is not going to be to Jigba. It's going to be bombs to DK and Tyler. That would have been what I would have thought. Force that issue. Don't put him out there injured if you're not going to throw the ball to him. That was my frustration. For me, for me, before we get to defense, there was an obvious way out of the slump that we were in in terms of offense and who you turn to. For me, it was no fun, and he wasn't targeted once. Not, not no one. yards. Not over the middle, over that sort of slant route that that can potentially open up the field for you. And when nothing else is working, when the deep bombs aren't working down the sideline, when Smith and Jigba isn't 100 percent over the middle, where why was Noah Fant not involved at all in that game? I, I, I did not understand that from a player calling perspective. Um, so that was a, a bit of a gripe that I had as well. Um, but we'll get to we'll get to defense, and I hate to bring this guy up, Pez, um, but I'm going to bring it up in an interesting way. Not just I'm not just going to rant at him, um, and, and it might be an interesting little point that um, some of you may not know, or, or some of you may have have known but didn't realize i didn't remember um so i'm gonna bring i'm gonna bring it up and i'm gonna package this into two parts the first part that will lead me on to pete the, the little pete nugget um when you look at matt stafford's 24 completed passes from sunday night i would say at least 65 to 70 percent of them are bang in the middle of the field 5 10 15 yards right where the linebackers are right in that soft prevent coverage um so why is that happening why is that always happening why are we still playing soft prevent defense well it comes on to pete carroll um and and his defense pete carroll has had five defensive coordinators since he's been in seattle those are gus bradley dan quinn chris richard ken norton jr and clint hurt would anyone like to stab a guess at how many days of NFL defensive coordinator experience any of those guys have had before being given the CLC Oaks defensive coordinator role? Zero. Zero. Not one of them had ever been a defensive coordinator in the NFL before they were given the Seahawks role. And to, to, to add on to that as well, um, only two of them had any form of defensive coordinator experience at any point in their coaching career total. Um, one of those was Gus Bradley who was a defensive coordinator at Division II school, Montana State, during the 90s and early 2000s. And Dan Quinn was a defensive coordinator and linebackers coach as well. At, 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 so he shared these two roles at Hofstra College, which is now defunct. They no longer exist. Um, but I'll tell you for one, they were not a Division I school. And Florida. So three, three of them, the, the other three have had zero defensive coordinator experience at any level. And yet all of them have had the defensive coordinator job in Seattle. Now, why is that? Well, it's because Pete can make an impression on them. If you can't, you can't bring in, you know, seasoned defensive coordinators and expect to be able to control their defense as a head coach. If you have, if you give the role to five, in, in essence, rookies straight out of, out of defensive university and saying, right, here's your first job. Let's just give it as a defensive coordinator role. It, it, of course, Pete's going to be able to allow to, to, to overrule them and, and and authority on defensive coordinators that don't have the, the portfolio, that don't have the experience to challenge him and run and run their own defense. Like this, like Clint Hurt, 
People saying get rid of Clint Hurt. Clint Hurt is not the problem. Clint Hurt is not the problem. Chris Richard was not the problem. Dan Quinn's not the problem. Gus Bradley cannot. They're not the problem because it's the exact same defense every single time, every single year. So, so who does it, who does it go back to? It goes back to Pete. Why is why is he not? You would think if it hasn't been working by the Legion of Boom a couple of seasons, and and you can argue that that was just pure talent that that made the defensive front and and and, and secondary as good as it was. Not not so much coaching of, of inexperienced defensive coordinators um so why would he keep going back to that well it's not working it hasn't been working for years now years and years and years since we won the Super Bowl the defense playing this way under these type of defensive coordinators has not been working so why someone as experienced as Pete Carroll potentially a hall of fame coach level coach why would he think hmm you know, should, should I maybe go with someone with more experience as a defensive coordinator, or should I keep giving it to guys who I'm bringing up internally, or or, or just giving these guys experience and uh, like having work experience guys run your defensive coordinator thing? So I can, it, it, it's so obvious, it's so obvious, and people, some people still can't see it. Like there are so many good experienced defensive coordinators out there that we could come in, bring in, and would have a much better impact on this defense playing the and uh, playing the way we want him to play but he won't do that and yet we play soft coverage and prevent defense with one of the quickest secondaries in the NFL look at the players on our defense Jordan Brooks is as fast as a linebacker sideline to sideline as you will find in the NFL Devin Bush is lightning quick on the on the back end you've got Devin Witherspoon when he comes back is lightning fast Tariq Woolen is lightning fast Julian Love Diggs Adams all quick players why? Why would you play soft? Why would you play soft coverage and prevent defense with quick players? You play soft and prevent defense with slower defensive backs because they can't go. They can't go man to man with quick receivers. They can't go man to man with quick tight ends. That's why you give them a ten yard cushion, a five yard cushion, so they can't beat you over the top. Why are we worried about players? Rams players of all players beating us over the top when we've got Tariq Woolen, who's probably the fastest corner in the NFL, or is the fastest corner in the NFL, and we've got burners in the secondary like Julian Love, Adam Diggs, even little um, Jerick Reeves. He, he's 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 fast as anything if you put him on the field. We, it's not a slow defense. It's not a defense full of full of big you know lampposts, big stiff as a board defensive backs that you have to play stuff. We're lightning quick. We get to the football. Why? Why would you do it? So I, I'm just, it's same old, same old. And I don't know why we expected anything else. It is utterly pointless drafting Devin Witherspoon at five and playing soft defence. Utterly pointless. Utterly um, pointless. The telling point is when we were looking for a defensive coordinator, people were talking about, Vic, uh, I don't know if it's true because I saw it on Twitter, people were talking about get Pete was going to get Vic Fangio in. And he turned the job down. There's a reason he turned the job down because he knows he's been in the league a very, 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 very long time. Fuck. I listened to I listened to a podcast with two NFL players on. And they even dropped in there when they were talking in the in the preseason about teams. And they talked about the Seahawks and said, that won't change because Pete Carroll plays the same style of defense and never changes it. He's one of the easiest guys to figure out. He's be- well become one of the easiest guys to figure out. And do you know what, though? Whilst we're on it, whilst you mentioned it, it, the noise is getting a lot louder over the whole Seahawks fan base. This, this, 
last year the noise started getting a bit bit more. You started seeing a bit more calling him out. But after this game, I didn't see. Do you know why that is? Pez? Do you know why that is, Pez? Because in previous years, yes, we were still a good offensive team, but the defense wasn't good. Our secondary wasn't good when we were wheeling out guys like Trey Flowers and all Justin Coleman's on your secondary. It wasn't very good, so people put up with it. Then now we're too talented on defense to be pissing it away like this. I don't think it's. I don't think it's that either. No. Do, do you know what? A good couple of years ago, I don't know if you were listening then, Mitch. James came up with a perfect analogy for us. UK listeners and any other listeners who follow the Premier League. And James came up with a perfect analogy of we are the Arsenal of the NFL when they had Arsene Wenger. Won them trophies early on. They gave him time and time and time again to try and get them back there. Gave him far too long to the point where he just started decaying that team how long then did it take them to get back to the top? But I'm I'm an Arsenal fan. I don't know if you remember. I'm an Arsenal fan as well, and and I know exactly what what you mean. And I've made the same connection myself. Um, long long standing manager, loved loved initially by by you know the fans. The fans start turning. The fans are split. Some some people are Wenger out. Some are Wenger, you know Wenger in. And the the set way of playing football that becomes outdated and still stubborn and also trying to play the same way. It, the Legion of Boom and the Invincibles is a very similar thing. You can't play that football without those players. You you know, you just you just can't. And um, it's, it is an identical situation. And I, and I see it. And also with Wenger, the thing the thing with Wenger was. Um, people looked at him and thought he's not going to go that much longer. So, for his legacy, we won't sack him. It was like we can't sack him because he's only going to be here a few more years. Well, how is that different to Pete Carroll? You can't sack Pete Carroll. Thank you, fucking thank you, Mitch. So it's it's exactly the same situation. Do, do you know what? At the start of this preseason, uh, anyone who listened to the season, the game by game production, I'm I'm I was so excited. People who were saying we're a couple of seasons away from being a contender, I, I genuinely looked at this team and I thought. We, we could be a contender this year. And that game just reminded me why I'm so stupid to even get my hopes up because of that man as a whole. You saw it, the trick play. The trick play with Gino. All that shit that happened at the start. That's like the things that Waldron brings in. And was it the Buccaneers game? Midway through the season, there was a game like that. And we started the game and we were trickery, we were slippery, the offence was clicking and we were all buzzing. Second half came and it all shut down. Well, do you remember, was it two seasons ago when that first game where we played the Colts away and we beat them and the offence was amazing. It was like nothing we'd ever seen. And then it got put back in its box for another three weeks. I think we lost every game or something. It feels feels the same. It just, it feels the same. It is. It's Groundhog Day. Like we're saying in our Discord, like I was saying on Twitter, it it's it's groundhog day year in year out and it stinks it's disgusting and like you said like i don't want to get away from the defense because like i said i will run about that guy i do not hide it and this isn't me knocking him he's a hall of fame coach very very grateful like mitch would be with arsene wenger very grateful what he brought like history book stuff Mm. but please will you politely fuck off and stop just <laughs> stop the, just the thing is though 
he's not decaying the team. I will not disrespect him enough to say he's decaying the team. He's just stagnating the team, if that's a word. Stagnating. Mm. There we go. Yeah. Because one and done should be stapled above the Seahawks' name for the last six years. One and done. I said it a couple of years ago. I'll say it again. Pete Carroll knows how to win in the season. Pete Carroll has not been able to keep up with a single team in the playoffs for years now because all these new coaches who come in, they're tricky and they love to play aggressive offence. He cannot keep up with them. Okay, well, you've you've plugged quite nicely there into some of the the notes I've made um, for our for our defence and also notes on what what the Rams schemed up to beat us that we just didn't have an answer to right so if you think back to the first half we were we were going on drives and we were you know um we were actually making things work on the offense to some degree so our defense was getting off the field right but there were still drives fairly long drives from the rams and in those drives you were seeing the same the same things you were getting lots of completions over the middle which were resulting in us having to condense slightly and then attempts were going over the, over the corners right so you were he would they were drawing us in and then going over the top and then we would expand back out and it would happen again and each time they went over the middle it wasn't as simple as rush someone in there on a slant and then connect a throw to them it was there's no there's no pressure there's no there's no edge pressure at all Stafford's got loads of time so what they'll do is they'll run someone past the nickel to run deep and then they'll come underneath with another receiver into a clear open space connect that throw snap off eight eight to 15 yards each time through the middle um and they did it all game and when you look at third down every i think it was almost every time it must have been about 80 percent at least of the of the third downs that they completed with absolute ease by the way i've never seen us as bad as that at defending third downs 11 for 17 the rams were on third down there you go insane stats so when you look at the third downs what did we do every single time on defense we send out with a minimum defensive backs we sent out was five the most we sent out was seven seven so every time we sent out defense six defensive backs we were unable to do we were still unable to protect the nickel that's that's insane. And when you looked when you looked at how we set up, each time we sent out six defensive backs, it was three clusters on each side. Soft coverage in the middle. So when you see that, you think one of those one of those DBs on the side is going to pick up any runner across the middle and go. And then that relies on one of the two deep, uh, one of the two linebackers to curl back into into soft coverage behind. So you have one DB pick up, one linebacker hook behind. None of our none of not how many um, linebacker pass pass disruptions did we see? Not one. I can't, I can't remember us, one. I can't no. recall a single one. No. So if uh, one of my notes one of my notes was completions over the this is these are notes I made during the game while angry by the way so sorry if they seem a little bit short but completions over the middle point to JB and BW that's uh, Jordan Brooks and Bobby Wagner being ill suited to these defensive schemes and needing more support from safeties and nickels in coverage that was my that was my my call and that was in the first half that's before we got absolutely wrecked with it by the way so it was a problem in the first half 
continued to be the same problem in the second half and we felt it more and conceded more points because our offense couldn't stay on the field so Max Stafford was able to just keep doing it and had double the amount of snaps to punish us with it and we still didn't manage it if you looked at those completions over the middle two-thirds of them came in the second half and it wasn't because they did it more frequently it was because their offense was on the field more and if we couldn't stop it when we were fresh and we were getting off the field in the first half we're definitely not stopping it when our defense has been on the field for the entire half um you you you're just perfectly right like everyone knows anyway like they had bobby all last year they know his limitations now McVeigh's not stupid. McVeigh knows in the back of his mind last year, McVeigh probably knew that Bobby's probably going to go again. And if he's going to go anywhere, he's going to go back to the Seahawks. So it's more like, let's get uh, behind the behind the scenes view on what this man can actually do now. Jordan Brooks, not 100% healthy. The boy shows he's still got speed. Sideline to sideline. Love to see it. Still racked up 12 tackles. But after every single tackle, did you see how slow it took him to get up? Yeah, he, he doesn't was used. So there you go. Voila! What a brilliant game plan. What does Pete do? Let's play D. Let's play prevent with an old man. No offense, Bobby. Old man for the league, and a guy who's not a hundred percent. Who realistically, Jordan Brooks is my boy. Love him. Love how his play style. We do. I still don't think we play him to his best suit because of that prevent. I think that prevent really stifles how good he could be, but he's not the best in pass coverage. Mm. Playing our, our scheme, whatever, it's just him as a player, our scheme, whatever it is. McVeigh, yeah, let's do that. Pete, oh no, I'm an arrogant prick. I just believe we'll get it right. I'm just, I just believe we'll get it all clicking. And then you said something, Mitch, about the game plan on offence. No, sorry, on defence. To me, it just seemed like Pete's plan was stop Van Jefferson, stop Higby, and then fuck it. Tutu Atwell, yeah. don't know much. Pete and Puka Nakua, he's a rookie. I don't care about him. Oh, they're dicing us up. Just don't let Van Jefferson or Higby get loose. The big, the big problem we had, I think, stems as well from, from pressure. If, if our problems on offence in the second half came from the tackles not being there, our biggest issue in the second half was the lack of pressure. Because if you look at the way Stafford was, the plays were designed for Stafford, it was someone goes through the nickel, takes the nickel, whoever's assigned to guard the nickel, takes the bait and goes with. And then the late movement through the, through the nickel gets the completion over the middle, right? So how do they, how does that mature if if we've got pressure? It doesn't. If he has to rush, he has to either throw to the first guy that ran through the nickel or go to one of the other guys who are covered by the DBs we have on the field. But there's a reason we didn't see many PDs for Mike Jackson and for Reek. And, you know, we didn't see them. They didn't, we didn't see the opportunities for them to, to intercept because they never had to throw in their direction. No. Because, and- because their plan to avoid our DBs was exactly that. Take the mm-hmm. nickel away. And, the and then exploit the soft coverage over the middle. We never yeah. dealt with it. It, it, it know, just, it was terrible. Do you know what's scary about um, that defensive line? You see it in preseason, and you're like, we've got a good rotation. Like I always said, I'm so happy this rotation. Great. I've still not seen the snap count 
And I can fucking guarantee you for a fact, when I see that snap count, it'll be the same guys who got the most snaps who were there last year. None of our new pieces, not a Derek Hall getting much, not a Boy Mafe getting much. These guys who shone in preseason. Let's play the starters who have not played all preseason. Do you know what? I gave them three snaps a game. Let's get all them out there. The big change to the snap counts on the D line was Mafe. Mafe got the same amount of snaps that um, that you'd hope. He got basically um, well, he got the majority. Like mm. he got he got the majority of snaps, and he was involved in a lot. Of the, I think he had what two two or three TFLs in the game. I was I was going to come on to Mafe because I thought he was excellent. Yeah, yeah. I, I did too. I thought he was excellent. him and Mike Morris shun. A few times and, himself and, in that and, and Julian, Julian Love as well was Ju- all Julian over. Love, yep. I was going to shout him out. Julian Love, Kobe had that good shoot through the gap, but overall he was but, shocking. But this is this is the point I'm going to make, right? Offense and defense. I can't give you the name of anyone who was terrible. We didn't have a bad um, wide receiver. Just just hear me out, uh, James. You might you're probably right, but I mean. <laughs> It's a, for a te- for a game where we had a terrible performance, we didn't particularly ha- from from our starters that we expect performances from. I can't tell you other than the discipline on on Metcalf. I can't tell you the tight ends, the wide receivers, the running backs, the starting offensive line, the starting defensive line. Like th- th- no one played bad. Like th- there's no defensive back that that dropped an interception or slipped off a tackle like in a high profile situation or you know th- th- there's none of that we just weren't schemed up well to deal with or or reacted to the offensive scheme from our opponent we just haven't I'm, dealt with what they've done i'm going to chuck some names out see if james has them and these are all off my head things that just stood out michael jackson who shite all preseason oh. he was shite in this game Tariq woolen i'm going to give him the benefit of doubt because he's been injured and I don't think he's 100%. Yeah, again, another guy, Daryl Taylor, not 100%. Tariq Woolen, not 100%. Because Tariq Woolen, I'm holding him to the standard of last year. It doesn't drop anymore. And he played shocking for his standard. He was all over the place. What did he do? That was right, what did he do that was bad? Just, he, he just looked like he... So the thing is, right, he didn't concede anything, but like he got beat so many times. It, it just looked like, from my opinion, from my angry rage position he just didn't look himself at all he was getting beat his his receivers were getting loose on him all over the place he just looked he looked like he was all over the shop but like you said it probably didn't shine up in a negative light because they didn't throw on him but when he was in and around it his receivers were getting free from him not the Tariq Wollen like I'm holding him up here like I'm being overly critical because that's the standard I expect from it, you know. So just understand I'm being overly critical because I expect that standard from him. With a caveat that he didn't look hundred percent. Daryl Taylor didn't look hundred percent. Jordan Brooks didn't look hundred percent. And it's just a clusterfuck. I think it's an interesting point. I, I, I think Brown. we, I think we actually put. We've, we've got a lot of players who are returning from injury in very um, important positions in that game. The snap count for Daryl Taylor was at least double what I thought he'd get coming back from injury and not playing any snaps in preseason and only having half a week of camp. What was Derek Hall's snap count? If you've got it. Derek, Derek Hall had about the same amount as um, Daryl Taylor. 
which was something like it was 18 to 25 percent for both of them i think um that's probably yeah. a, a bit high actually probably well, sub, sub 18 out of interest whilst you got it up what was draymond jones's snap count because I'd except to, for a flag I'd have to i did find not because I'm, I'm going off the top here i'm just i did not hear that guy's name once no hey draymond jones Draymond Jones had a couple of tackles in the first half that were um, quite good. There was one, there was one tackle for Draymond Jones which was really important, where um, Stafford had broken contain in the pocket, and um, he disengaged his blocker, and then looped around the back of the um, the D line, and then stopped him for a minimal gain. That was quite early on, mm. um, which was really good. And there was one where he nearly got in for a sack, a rare bit of internal defensive pressure in the first half. Um, where he got where he beat his man on the in the middle, which I was really impressed with because it's exactly what we didn't get last year from the bare front with the three was uh, players that could beat a double team and players that could beat their man and create pressure up the gut. But the problem is we only did it, I think, twice in the game. Mike Morris was the thing that impressed me with Mike Morris. You mentioned him, um, Pez, was um, disengaging his blocks, so he didn't he'd initiate contact force the man back with, with his quick movement, hand placement. And then if the ball was going up the middle, there was a couple of times where he'd made a big impression on his man, disengaged, stopped the run, or was involved in a tackle in the middle. That's exactly what is difficult for a six foot six defense a defensive end to do because the guy the other side is shorter heavier lower center of gravity gets up into you and pushes you up and stops you and grabs you gets hold of you and the longer the longer arms you can't use him in those close quarters so the things he did were the things he was supposed to struggle with that for me was a huge big sign um with morris um i'm gonna round off my thoughts on the defense um to put it this way this is how i'm looking at it after after sleeping on it after talking to you guys at this moment in time it, my main takeaways from the defense moving forward are this um the run defense did look better but that comes with the caveat of what do the Seahawks always do they fix one problem and then another problem occurs uh, they fix the pass defense and then the run defense goes to shit it always happens so that's unfortunate uh, but like I say is that the pass defense or is that the scheme I think it's the scheme um, other than that I think it's going to look it should look a lot better with Devin Witherspoon and Jamal Adams in there for me um, Mike Jackson needs to be dropped from 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 the start eleven, you play Devin Witherspoon on the outside, and you move Trey Brown into the nickel. Because from what I saw from Trey Brown personally, I thought his tackling was excellent in the open field. In my opinion, it looked a lot better than Corby's. I know he, I know he's your boy Pez, but oh, no, comp- comparing the two tackling wise against the Rams, I thought Trey Brown wrapped up his tackles a lot more consistently than 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 Corby and, and other guys that were playing in the in the middle of the field, um, and. I, you've got to, you've got to bring Jamal Adams back in. You can't drop Julian Love because I thought he was our best defensive back. You can't drop Quandre Diggs because it, you know Jamal Adams doesn't play in his position anyway. Um, so I, he comes back in. I'm, I'm not sure how he comes back in and what role. Um, helps the linebackers out. Yeah, he helps the linebacker. He helps the linebacker out. But then, like I say, and, and you made a, you made an interesting point. Um, with the linebackers in terms of the the prevent defense, what what's the, the three linebackers that we've got in the field? Bobby Wagner, Jordan Brooks, Devin Bush. What is all three of theirs number one weakness? Pass coverage, and yet we play soft defense, prevent defense that exposes bad linebackers 
for, for having bad pass coverage. That's you, you're meant to play soft defense with with linebackers that can drop into into pass coverage, and and them three have never been able to do it really at a high level. Um, so so that's, that's why we miss KJ, right? That's why we miss KJ, right? Yeah, can we still bring him back? Does he want to? Does he want to? You know, yes, please. Wrap his podcast up and play again. Um, I, I, I'd love to see it. But uh, listen, if we can bring back Jason Peters, why not? Uh, why not KJ Wright? I say. Um, but it's it's it should be better. It should be better just purely by take the, the scheme won't be any different. I understand that, but we should look better with having Jamal Adams and Devin Witherspoon in there. Um, so. I think you take two of those guys that were starting against the Rams in that horrendous defensive back performance out of that lineup already. Um, so you would hope it's going to get better. But I, um, I'm, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm really excited for this week two game because we are going to find out so much about this team in week two. Um, you'd think Jackson Smith and Jigbert is going to be healthier by then and maybe a lot closer to 100%. Um, Ken Walker is going to be 100% ready to go again. The offensive line, offensive tackle problems, yeah, it's a concern. I would, I'm going to hope that maybe at least one of them is good to play. Um, I, I think Charles Cross is turf toe, so it's like I never understand how turf toe's so serious. I guess I, I don't understand because I've never played the game. Um, but to me, it just sounds like he's got a rash or something on his on his toe. Like, can he can he can he just play? <laughs> do, you know, do you know what the injury is? No, it's it's if you if you look at that with your hand, if you you press your fingers up. And then hold hold them there. It is the um, the spraining of the big toe socket. So if when you when you push your fingers, but like so he when you push his if you, toe. So when you're when you're uh, in like a, a three point stance, hmm. you you spend a lot of time squatting, supporting your body weight with your your joint hyperextended, hmm. and you can sprain repetitive. It's a repetitive strain of that socket and it it stops you putting weight on it it's that painful it stops you putting weight on it so um in a, in a position where you have to be fleet of foot it mm. is a problem is a problem for attack okay I'll, I'll take your word for it I'll, I'll 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 take it that it's not that it's not a rash then um but oh well <laughs> no, um, no, it's, not a, it's not a rash but so whether it's it's Stone Forsyth and Jake Kern again, or whether it's fucking Jason Peters, I don't know. Um, I'm, I, uh, I don't mind the Jason Peters thing, by the way. We've got. He was good for the Cowboys last year. Yeah, he was oh. good. He was he's he's a superb rotational piece, extremely good, experienced player. Um, for our two second year tackles to learn off, if the, if. If you'd have told me um, that that bit of cap space we had was going to be an experienced backup tackle, I'd have bitten your hand off. Jason Peters is going to be so stiff. He's he's a wooden plate. Um, please, please, please. He's forty-one. We'll he's forty-one. He's not been on a team all off season, so he's not had a preseason. He's not had a training he's a camp. Dog. He's not. Doesn't need to at forty-one. Not, doesn't need to at forty-one. Doesn't need to. He's got four hundred pounds. He's not. Wait until he gets. Wait until he gets Aiden Hutchinson in a vice grip next week. Aiden Hutchinson against a forty-one-year-old Jason. Does that yeah. not terrify you? Savvy. Why? Just because just because he can do spinny little pirouettes because he's so young, the guy will just get him. Bear hug him and just go not today. Does does has I'm, this has this first game of the season made both of you hungry for us to pick up a 
backup tackle next next summer in the draft. Yeah. I genuinely think that we'll spend like a third rounder on maybe the extra pick we got from the Denver okay. Broncos. Is there one in free agency? There's, there's loads of good tackles in the draft. There's a really deep tackle draft. Um, I think you okay. could get a really good value. You could get a second. You could get a, a, a second round caliber tackle from this year in next year's draft in the third round. It's that deep. So if there's ever a, a time to get some depth at tackle, it's next year. So um, I, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting hyped because this is Mitch's first time to enter. We've got all the negatives out of the way. We're now going to enter into the positive into the beautiful positive pez section you can join in mitch this is where no rules abide in here james tries to take the try he's, he's like negative police but here is where you can just go crazy and make up some really good positive shit okay i like it did james did have a jingle but it doesn't look like he's in the mood well, to do the jingle. I, can I, I, spoiled can I... it. You spoiled it with your Jason Peters. Fuck it. I, I, you, <laughs> right. you, you made me you so cross. Put yourself on mute. Put yourself on mute. You stay out of this. You don't bring your negativity into the positive room. Can I Can I, Can I? I just start off by saying we're now officially a Super Bowl contender after this week? Oh, brilliant. Because, because the Bengals got, got humiliated and the Chiefs got humiliated. We've set ourselves out in fantastic you, company and we're now you, a Super Bowl contender officially. You've made a very good point what I was going to bring up. Was it two years ago, the Green Bay Packers, they made the NFC Championship after getting absolutely embarrassed at home in their very first game. I think they got 42 put on them. They were shocking. Ended up in the NFC Championship like one play away from making the Super Bowl. That's how I was going to start positive pairs, so we might as well roll on this next game. We agree. This next game, pull your jersey down, James. This is going to involve you. Come on. <laughs> Not one running back, but two running backs in mind. We're going to rebalance. We're going to recalibrate because this is the game where Pete gets us all back in. You know, he lets us all out to play. We all start arguing and fighting. He's like, come back into the bag. Come back into the line, the smoke screen, because I think we're going to rebalance, recalibrate. We're going to go to the Lions. We're, we're not going to scrape by. We're going to absolutely be nothing like we were on Sunday. Everyone's going to be like, where's this team? Just like we love to do. We have a really crap game, and then all of a sudden, we just smoke a team out, and that's what's going to happen to the Lions. They're going to come back after beating the Chiefs, thinking that the big dogs, thinking this is it, this is our year. We're going to go in there. Ken Walker is going to destroy them with the help of Sean. What I will say is, as what I will say as well as a positive thing is, you learn an awful lot from from bad performances, and sometimes you can win the first few and then you get humbled, and you have to you have to learn your lessons very quickly. We had a good first half, considering it was a rusty, you know, return to the league. We had a we had a half decent first half and we had an atrocious second half. There is a lot to learn from from our very first game. In this section, in this section, there's no logic, Mitch. We don't use logic in this oh, sorry, section. It's sorry just, for applying logic to my point. <laughs> no, no, no logic. It's just all out positivity of just just craziness because Ken Walker is going to go over 100 yards and two touchdowns. I agree. And is going to get. I'll give a range of between 60 and 70 yards receiving and running, and he's going to score a touchdown himself. 
And JSN is going to be the lead receiver in this game. He is going to dummy that defense. He's going to he's going to, he's going to put himself out there, statement game, and he is going to destroy that defense single handedly and bag himself bag himself a touchdown whilst he's at it. Easy, easy. <laughs> what have you got for what? Whilst Mister Jersey Man here is. Yawning and doing all kinds of boring stuff. What have you got for me, Mitch? No logic, just only oh, I think, positive. I think we get to the bye week without another loss. Oh, it's only for the Giants game. Only for the Giants game. No, no, no. It's all it's all wins from here, baby. Did you? All did wins. anyone else see the Giants lose fourteen nil to the to the to Cowboys? Yep. Yeah, me too. I we go we go. It's week five, isn't it? Yeah, we're going in. We're going into the bye week three and one. After, and then the and then the Bengals lose to us as well because I after dummying after dummying the Lions. <laughs> Come on, yeah, James. James, get yourself up mute. Bring us, bring us to it. What have you got for the Lions game? Come on. What a load of shit you lot have just said for five minutes. What a load of shit. We we're gonna go unbeaten till the bye right. week. Yeah. Right. That's it, James. We're done. We're done. We're not talking we anymore. Don't have, Sign don't. us off. Sign us off. Nope. Also, you nope. get your you get your bit. <laughs> this you is get your bit. This is, this is positive Pez, not negative Nelly over here. You asked here. me to come in. I was happy sat for there. Positive, for a positive, we're in positive Pez. Everything's rosy. We forgot about last week now. We're moving well, on to a new week. As I've said before, sweet. you're moving into prescription Pez because it's not positive. You're living in absolute <laughs> la-la-land mit. So I can't That's come in. That's where we live. We've got where unicorns. We've got I unicorns live, and drug dealers selling funny coloured pills in my world. I live in reality where we've signed 41-year-old Jason Peters right. and we've got Stone Forsyth Stop and it. Stop Erhard ruining it. Stop ruining it. Even Mitch got involved. Mitch let all logic go out of the window and you it's can't join him. You right, can't. No. Don't that's how this segment works. You've become bitter over the years. You're like a bitter old man. And no, I do no, not no. like it. No. I've just become wiser and more realistic. That's all, Pez. So well, realism goes out the window. You know this. We talk nonsense and we just chuck out random shit. Evidently, because fucking we are not going unbeaten right, into right. the bye week. Well, that's it, everyone. That's it. That's the end of the podcast. Yes. James is taking all the energy out. Well done. Don't ask me to come back in then, Pez. You should have left me in my chair. Should have left me <laughs> in my chair. I was happy there. Stop. I was happy there listening to your drivel. Um, shout out the Discord then and we'll get off. Right. So you can find we've got a little Discord group. It's a small little community. Um active. Come join us. Uh, you can find the links through our Twitter and Instagram. Can you find it through Instagram? You know, you will be able to find it through Instagram, yes. You'll be able to find it through Instagram, but there, there will be a Quote tweet on our uh, Twitter page. Uh, come join us. We're not like a massive one where like your opinion will be shut down and you'll be made to feel like a fool. Like I know there's a lot of groups out there with too many people in and they're not like regulated or anything. This is just a small little community of us. I think maybe 25-ish. And everyone chucks whatever they're thinking and we all have a conversation. It's just a good time. So feel free to come join us. Well, come join Twitter, us. The Twitter is We Talk Seahawks. The Instagram is We Talk Seahawks. The TikTok. Are we... TikTok. Oh, I'm on there. 
I'm on there. Oh, James is on there, and that's We Talk Seahawks as well. Yeah. It's not hard to find us. Oh, it's not hard to find us, and, and come on there, have a chat. Basically, continue our rants with us off air. That's all we do. Um, and I'm, I'm sure, by as of the looks of it, the way week one has gone, we're in for a hell of a lot more this season. Um, for good or for bad, there's going to be a lot of talking points. Um, as, as I say, I, I can't wait. Come and join Discord and, and just let me clown these fools when uh, when the bye week rolls around. Jason Peters is broken in half um, and has already you know retired again. Just claiming injury work, injury insurance because he's you know what I mean. Come just... join us on the Discord, and I'm gonna I'm gonna create a new positive pegs tab, and you can all come in there, and we can have a jolly good time, and not listen to James. Right, James will be locked out, out of it. Then. You don't need to worry about it. He's just not allowed in. Everyone else is welcome. Okay, come and chuck in your ridiculous happy positive vibes. Yep. I'll create me all one for for us realists. Any realists out there? Any realists? I'll create me own little server channel for that. You come and join me on there. Let the, let these Luke. prescription boys have their little channel. You know You're what I mean? Luke. Yeah, oh me, and Luke. me and Luca. We'll have a right good discussion then. Um, but anyway, Mitch, any final words? Um, I just want to sign off by saying it's all it's all up from here. I think um, at the end of the season when we're you know, 14 and three or 13 and four, whatever, however we end up, this is just going to be one of the, one of the few blips on our record. We're on, we're onwards and upwards from here. And I refuse to be, uh, I refuse to be as depressed as I was on Monday for the rest of the week until Sunday, at least. So uh, that, that is my, my final thoughts. Um, Oh, and I will say this, right? Worst case scenario, 17, Owen 17, and we pick up Caleb Williams in the draft. I'm fine with it. I'll tell you what. Let's go get Caleb Williams. Your antidepressants are working better than mine. Because I'd say, yeah. But anyway, thanks thanks as always for listening. And uh, and go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.